Kent Bazemore joins us on Sports Byline. Look for him in the NBA. He's one of the young and up-and-coming players in the National Basketball Association with the Golden State Warriors and after going undrafted out of Old Dominion. You know, Kent, I was thinking about you this afternoon, and I thought some people would say you're a survivor and others would say you're an overachiever. How would you describe yourself? I definitely say I would label myself a survivor because, you know, you know, going undrafted and then, you know, surviving another draft this year where we didn't have any draft picks, but we made moves to, you know, move guys around and to be in a Warriors uniform, you know, as of today with all the, the, the moves made around the organization, you know, I just consider myself blessed. You know, on draft day, I'm just wondering what is it like for a player who believes in himself, had a good college career, mm-hmm. and then has to sit around – and watch other names being called. Uh, you know, as a competitor, it, it kind of it's kind of like bittersweet. You know, you see some of your friends go and see some of the guys you know get drafted, and then you see guys that you know you you torch your whole college career go, and you kind of like, man, you know, well not me, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's more so for your family. You know, your family see your highlights on TV, or you know, your Twitter feeds blowing up your. Your, uh, your mom and dad get to see your name called. But, you know, after that, after your name's called and you out playing, you know, it's mano y mano. It's about who won it. So uh, the draft is, is definitely different for me now, you know, not being drafted. So, I mean, I didn't even watch it this year. So that's how. <laughs> I've got a quote here from you. You said, I've had my back against the wall my entire life coming out of high school. I got a few Division One offers, but they were mid-major. A lot of D2 offers, you know, just along lanky kid from Kelford, North Carolina. Take me back to Kelford, North Carolina and growing up there. Uh, Kelford was, was definitely, you know, the humble upbringings. Uh, you know, kids raised by a village. You know, I had aunts, uncles, had aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, people everywhere on every corner that, that you know, would get on me if I messed up. That's how my mom was. She would tell everybody, like, you see them messing around, you know, get them. So I would get the weapons by, you know, pretty much anybody at any time and you know, so that that really kept me out of trouble. I I knew I couldn't go over here and act up because I knew they would be on me. So, uh, just about I think in the last census in 2007, I think we had like 226 people there. <laughs> you know, so you know, I, I graduated with 224 people from high school. So I mean, I'm I'm really you know intric- intimate. You know, with, with with people like going back home is like I go back home is like everyone's together. I know everybody, you know, and and it's and it's great and it's a blessing and it definitely helped me out now. What's a good time on a Friday night in Calford, North Carolina? Man, smacking mosquitoes and spraying off spray. That's <laughs> all <laughs> so we do. When did basketball come into your life? Uh, I've been playing since I was four, but, you know, I was a, a football kid growing up. I always wanted to play football. Then I had this crazy growth spurt from, like, 5'9 to 6'1, and I was, like, 150 pounds maybe. So football went out the window, you know, it took me too long to recover, you know, sitting home sore all week, you know, like, man, I can't do this. So uh, I picked up basketball and started running track, and in high school, you know, I was all state in basketball and track. So. How did you end up at Old Dominion? Uh, uh, John Richardson uh, is an alma mater from Bertie High School, you know, he uh, went to Elizabeth City State, played there, and then he got a, a coaching job at Old Dominion. And he just happens to drive home for, uh, you know, our Bert T. Herford County game, which is a big rival game where everyone comes back. And, you know, I have a pretty good outing. And it just so happens that he goes, he went to school with my mom. So he, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, how you doing? How you been? And my mom's like, yeah, that's my son right there. And I'm out there, you know, tearing it up. He's like, oh, God, you know, I'm going to keep an eye out on him. And, you know, he, uh, 
you know, introduced me to Blaine Taylor, who's a, a great guy, by the way. You know, he Blaine Taylor has some 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 ties out here. He coached at Montana, coached at uh, Stanford with uh, Mike Montgomery. So, um, great guy, and then he offered me a scholarship and gave me the opportunity to chase his dream. In the early years, in your high school years, was there a coach that was influential with you? Uh, yeah, uh, all my coaches in high school because they 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 would talk so much trash. Like, hey man, you, like you really want to because. I, everyone knew I wanted to play in the NBA. Like everybody knew. Like I was all for it. But you know they would push me. You know they, they, I would be their example. Like if they wanted to get on somebody in their practice, they would always come to me. Like I mean I could be doing nothing to anyone and they'll come jump on me. I mean just being like uh, they're they're a little guy that they wanted to push and, and see succeed. You know it was great for me because you know they push. They got every inch of energy out of me. They always push me through a threshold or through a wall. You know. Whenever I was down or down and out, you know, they would encourage me, you know, like, hey, man, just keep working. It's all I heard ever. It's all I ever heard was keep working. Blaine was your coach at Old Dominion. And tell me a little bit about uh, him and how he kind of molded you at that stage of your game. Uh, you know, coming out of uh, Bertie High, you know, I was, you know, the, the best player in my area. But the level of basketball, the level of, comp- level of competitiveness was, wasn't that good, you know. So I got to college and, you know, on my visit, he sat me down and, and wrote out a depth chart, and it clearly said that I was like the fifth shooting guard, you know, there. So, which meant I would have to sit out a year. You know, other schools weren't really talking about that. Like, you had to come here and sit out. But for me, he he broke it down like, hey, look, you sit out a year, and then you have forty more years to play. So you either can, you know, it basically said you can be selfish and you know. Swallow your pride and, and go somewhere and play now, or you can develop, you know, and be the player I can see you be. And in your fifth year, you would love this situation. So, in the red shirt and had a great career. And, you know, my fifth year was, you know, probably, you know, one of my best years. I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, Kent, that there's a lot of pressure on kids who uh, grow up in Carolina. I mean, it's Tobacco Road. Yeah. It's North Carolina, NC State. Yeah. It's Duke and everything. Is is there a measuring stick for kids in that state that might be different if somebody played basketball and was a pretty good player in Montana or Missouri? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, all the good players from North Carolina. Well, I, I remember when I was coming up, you know, if you didn't go to Carolina or Duke or Wake Forest or NC State, in Carolina you weren't really, you know, that, that guy, you know what I'm saying, like, <laughs> If you go out of if you got to go out of state to play basketball, you weren't really that good to begin with. So, I mean, growing up here in North Carolina, NC State, you know, I kind of like would root against them. Like I always wanted to beat those teams because those guys always had that stature about them. Like, hey, I go to Carolina. I grew up in Carolina, so I'm going to Carolina, which means you know this state is mine. Like I killed it. So uh, me going to Old Dominion, going out of state, you know, really kind of like pushed me away from that and not work, you know, because my team was a mid-major. You know, when I got there, they had went to the tournament like once before. And, you know, when I left, you know, we won a few times. We won a few championships. So, I mean, that was the type of statement I was trying to make. I know over the years when I've had a chance to talk to a pro basketball player, I always like to ask them about the summer game because that's where you're smiling now. That's where the game is really a lot of fun. There's 10 guys, five shirts, Mm -hmm. five skins, Mm -hmm. 95 degrees, 95 percent relative humidity yeah. and they're going at it tell me a little bit about your experiences of the summer game uh growing up you know the summer was my by far the most favorite my favorite time of the uh, of the year um everyone comes home from college or everyone comes home from whatever they were doing and you know we just have you know big huge basketball games all the time and it gets competitive you know it 
Like, I was from Kelford. You know, we would play against guys from Lewiston, Orlando, Ohioski. You know, it even got to the point where, like, we would take five or six guys and drive, you know, an hour up the street to Greenville, North Carolina, and play at East Carolina. So, I mean, that's, that's like, the best time of the year. It's, like, the most competitive, and it's, it's where you actually grow as a player because, you know, you're not actually just playing basketball. You're playing for your town. You know, you're playing for your rights, you know, wherever you stay. You know, you're playing for Bertie County. You're just playing for, like, everything, and, and it's just, like, added fuel to the fire. Al Adels with the Warriors organization. He and I were talking. We were talking about the legends of the playground, and yet some of them, many of them, don't even make it to the NBA. I think mm-hmm. of Helicopter Herman out of New York and others like that. And I asked him why, and he said because they can't play organized, disciplined basketball. Yeah. Can you get into some bad habits playing the, the playground game, the street game? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys that, like the whole and one movement when I was coming up when I was young, you know, everybody wanted to go between the legs seventy five times and shoot a jumper. But that doesn't really correlate to the to the NBA game of basketball. Like like some of the younger guys now, you know, that go to school for one year and come out, you know, they struggle because they don't really know how to play the game of basketball. You know, I went to school for five years in a, a very intricate, you know, offense. You know, Blaine ran uh UCLA cuts, you know, he ran some Princeton stuff, you know, so I had to learn the game, had to learn how to set screens, had to learn how to read screens, had to learn how to be in certain spots, which which, which uh, correlated well for me in the NBA. You know, uh, I think I would have a, a better pro career than I will college because I understand a lot more now. I understand court space and I understand where to be when, you know, when my guy's driving down the baseline, you know, baseline drive, baseline drip. Some of those things I didn't really know in college. So uh, a lot of young guys coming to the league, you know, like, 18, 19, 20-year-olds that, that, that went to school and just played off, you know, straight talent. But now it's like you got to play within the system. You know, it's a game within a game within a game. You know, if my man's driving at me and my defender's looking at him, I know the backdoor cut, you know, not run to the ball. You know, it's just small things like that that these guys don't really know, and it's going to take time for them to, you know, really understand the game of basketball. Upcoming and very talented young man with the Golden State Warriors, Kent Bazemore is with us in the studio. He came out of Old Dominion, and he also has not one degree but two degrees. And you don't hear about athletes, particularly professional athletes, that finish school. I'm going to ask to him why he decided to get the academic direction as well. And we'll talk about the Golden State Warriors, some of his teammates, a very talented young team. And I'm also going to ask him about his mother because I've always found that mothers have a great <laughs> influence on athletes. So we'll do that as we continue across the country and around the world. We've got you on America's sports talk show, Sports Byline. Kent Bazemore has joined us on Sports Byline USA. Look for him in the NBA. He came out of Old Dominion, which is in the Norfolk area as well. I went to college across the bay, and he and I were kind of talking about it a little bit. I'm interested in a quote that I saw from you. You said, I've always worked hard. Where did that work ethic come from? Uh, my mother, man. Uh, my mom worked three jobs. You know, she would get off at 10. She's a bus driver as well, so she would be up at, you know, she wouldn't get to bed to like, midnight and be up at, like, 4 ironing my clothes to go to school the next day. And she she would always say, you know, it's going to pay off, you know. Just keep working, and that's all I knew. You know, I wasn't always, I mean, still not. I'm not the best shooter, not the best dribbler, not the best defensive player, you know, but – I'm gonna play hard, and you know, whatever I don't, whatever I lack in experience is what I'm gonna make up with effort. You know, I, that's that's how I am. You know, I can't, you know, let my deficiencies be the reason why I can't succeed in this game. You know, when I can just go out here and play hard, you know, dive on the floor or outwork a guy for a rebound or get a steal or or make a shot. 
I can tell you, and every athlete uh, who's African-American that I've ever talked to, interviewed, at some point they'll bring up their mother in the mm-hmm. discussion. What is it about the black woman in the family that is so important? Uh, just your backbone, you know. My mother's, I, I mean, I can't even put it into words how instrumental she's been, you know, with my, my growth as a person, you know, especially being away from home. You know, I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away, but, you know, it seems like she's right here with me. You know, we talk all the time. She's just, she's just like my rock, you know. Whenever I was going through something during the season, I could always call mom, you know, and she will always have the best excuse. Like, I'm her son, like, and she can always feel when something's wrong. Like, she'll watch me on the sideline. I'm jumping up and down every game, bays more, but she might see me for one play with, like, a frown on my face and that, like, triggers something in her, like, hey, what's going on? Just, just mother's intuition. The other thing I mentioned about you having a double degree from Old Dominion, that shows great focus, great discipline, and a commitment to knowing that after the career is over with in basketball, there's something. Uh, where did that come from as well? I mean, was that a discipline that your mother said you're going to get an education? No question. Uh, I, I remember I couldn't go to YMCA practice until I'd done my homework. So I get home at like 4 o'clock, YMCA practice at 6. I got social studies, I got math homework, and I got a bunch of reading to do, so... I got two hours to, to get this done before I can actually leave, and it's a lot of work. So I get home, and I get right to it. Like, I'm doing my homework, doing my homework. She would come home. She would she would take a break from work. Like, her second job, she would take a break, drive home, and make sure I got my homework done, then drop me off at practice on her way back to work. So that was just a thing, and it was like another pride thing for me, too, because, you know, you go to college, and you hear a lot of people like, well, athletes don't, don't really care about class. Like, I remember the first – the very first test I took, I, I walked in class with an older man, men's basketball shirt on, and the person beside me, like, covered up. She covered up her paper, like, <laughs> like I wanted to look. And I was like, okay, that, 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 that really made me so mad. And I get my test back. I get a 96, and she got, like, a 91. And I was just, like, holding it up, like, right in front of her so she could see it. Like, I don't really need, I don't need to cheat off of you. Like, I'm going I'm to get my degrees on my own. Yeah, she should have cheated off of you. Yeah, yeah, come on, man. I'm a smart, I'm a smart guy. I mean, I ain't dumb. I just look this way. You know? uh, what approach did you take uh, to playing basketball, pro basketball, when you were not drafted? Because I'm sure you stepped back from it, Kent, and gave some thought to it. Okay, how do I approach this game, this dream that I want to have? Well, I I can uh, honestly say my agent Austin Walton played a big part in that. He he really was like, look, man, you know, you didn't draft it. But, you know, you have some, some, some qualities that a lot of teams like. Uh, you're, you're long, you know, you can defend, you know, you play with great energy, you're a great guy. So just take it and, and, and use that, you know, as a, as a kind of crutch to keep you in the league. And, you know, that's what I did. You know, I'm always doing something with the community. Like I'm showing up at camps, you know, I'm talking to kids, you know, I'm, I'm having contests on Twitter, you know, I'm just being a great person and, you know, I'm in the gym every day. You know, I'm first one there, last one to leave some days. Uh, always around, you know, just, just, just trying to stick, you know, just trying to be a, a well-rounded guy. And I just kept working. You know, my jump shot is probably the biggest hole in my game. And Joe Boylan, uh, who, who just got promoted to assistant coach and head of the player development, was a guy in my corner, too. We got worked out tremendously, like, all, all year, all summer. But you bring something to the game that not every NBA player does. 
and that's defense. And that is an attitude. The late Dennis Johnson and I uh, were friends, and we talked a little bit about that. And he said, you know, when it gets to the fourth quarter, I want that guy I'm I'm guarding to know I'm going to be inside his jersey for the next 12 minutes. Did did you look and say, hey, wait a minute, this is the strength of my game, and so I've got to use that in order to get the opportunity? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely defense is definitely a mentality. I remember growing up playing in high school. You know, we would score, you know, like forty five points. You know, at the most tonight. You know, we couldn't really score. I, no one on my team could shoot. We couldn't. You know, we weren't the best at executing an offense. So we knew how to play defense. And if we can't score, you're not gonna score. That, that's just always been my mentality. I mean, you're gonna make it tough for me. Why can't I make it tough for you? And, and I just take pride in you know stopping guys. You know, just making their life miserable, you know, making them frustrated, like walking to the bench with his head down, you know, or like fourth quarter, he, he, he's on his hands and knees, like breathing hard. And I'm standing up like, yeah, let's go. Like, let's do it. Let me tell everybody out there, just give you a little bit of insight. Stitched inside on the underside of the tongue of his sneakers, of Kent's sneakers, is the number 499. Explain that. Uh Last year, coming to the season, ESPN ranked me the 499th best player out of 500 people. <laughs> and uh, people joke around. I was like, man, they probably had some dead guys up there ahead of you. But, I mean, it's just, you know, not being drafted. You know, they re- they didn't really have, you know, like a, a huge database on, like, okay, maybe he's not number 499. I mean, he got undrafted. We saw him in summer league. He played solid. So we just going to put – at least he's on the list, like, 500 people out of the uh, how many people in this world? That, I mean, that's a blessing right there. But that's just something I, I took. You know, I embraced. You know, being 499 for me is is you know why I play a game of basketball. Like just to to show people that whatever you rank, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's just about what do you do when you're on the court. Like I play against lottery picks. You know, all that type of stuff. This past week, and you know. I'm, I'm number 499, you know, so, I mean, that's how great the NBA is. The, if I'm at number 499 and there's 498 people ahead of me, this is a very great league. So you're you're aiming for 498, I assume, Yeah, no question. <laughs> I, I just, hey, I'm one step at a time, man. One Do you play with a chip on your shoulder because of that? Oh, huge. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of guys look at you like, yeah, he he undrafted. All right, whatever. I got drafted. I'm a lottery pick. You know, I, I'm, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to have – success in this league it don't really work like that it's, it's about who's gonna work harder you know lebron kevin durant kobe bryant michael Jordan. you hear about all the greats you know they everyone says they worked hard and that's a great example to you know to follow why not why why should not work hard if michael jordan was the greatest ever play his game he worked hard and i want to be the greatest so i'm gonna work hard too i mean it's right there in front of you it's not rocket science that you got to work hard to be good in this league. Let me share with you a, a comment that Michael made to me. He and I were talking, and I said, what is a, the really the, the measure of the great players, and no matter what the sport might be? And he said it best. He said, when the game is on the line, I want to be the one to determine the outcome. If I succeed, I'll take the glory. If I fail, I'll take the blame. And you know as well as I do, not everybody wants to take the blame yeah. if they don't succeed. You, you can't be – that's one thing I've learned. You can't be afraid to fail, and, you know – I, I was in a lot of situations this past week, you know, with the summer league where, you know, that was the case, you know, all these, you know, in, in run for the MVP, people had me up for MVP, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of pressure, but, you know, I'm ready for that type of stuff. Like I want to be that guy, you know, with six seconds left with the game on the line, with the ball in his hands. Like that's just my drive. You know, I want to, you know, make that play or get that stop either way, offensively or defensively. 
if if the guy got the ball on the offensive end, I want to be in, I want to be the guy in front of him that keeps him from scoring or or a flip flop. You know, if it's our ball, I want to be the guy. You know, like you can't run away from that stuff, and the guys that are afraid to fail won't last long. Let me uh, share with you another quote you made, and I thought this one was very, very telling about your personality and your approach to basketball. You said, I can take it up a notch defensively, being a more cerebral player on the floor, not playing like a rookie, being that glue guy for the Warriors. Now, one thing that tells me is that you like the brain aspect of the breaking down the game. You like the cerebral no aspect. And, and also, you, you don't take any offense to being a defensive guy, being labeled that. No, not at all. I mean... Look, Tony Allen. Tony Allen is a great defender. You know, you know, Ryan Tess played great defense for a few years in the league. You know, Bruce Bowen. You know, these guys are defense first guys. Like, at all costs, you could pit this dude on anyone. He's going to get a stop. You know, like, and that's that's how you got to be. You got to be. People always say, you know, be aggressive on the offensive end. You got to be aggressive defensively. You know, you got to be in that guy's jersey. You can't be. You can't be afraid to get a get a foul call. You know, from trying to run through a screen or. You know, holding a guy if he got a step on you, know, those are the type of things that's going to make you an elite defender. You know, Bruce Bourne was called probably one of the dirtiest players in, in basketball, <laughs> but he didn't care. Like, he's going to still show up. He's going to still, you know, plucking your items out if he has to, you know, those type of things. So, and you just got to be, you know, a, a, a tough, a tough, tough-hearted guy, you know, get the elbow to the face and, and just show up again. Like, that's all you got. You happen to be on a very talented team, the Golden State Warriors. Great young talent. I mean, they've got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes. What was the eye-opening moment for you when you joined that team, when you watched those guys and others on the floor? Man, uh, Steph Curry is, 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 is special, man. Watching that guy play, just having a front row like, ticket to, to the Steph. Like, Steph was doing some amazing stuff, and – that's the guy that doesn't cheat the game. Like he, he shows up. He works hard. You know, he has a family at home. You know, he does everything the right way, and 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 it's just so gratifying to see, you know, a little skinny kid from Charlotte, North Carolina, that went to Davidson. You know, just torched the NBA, like kill and and Clay, the the, the performances he put on some nights where he wasn't missing the basketball, like it's like eight feet wide. You know, Harrison Barnes making plays, flying down the middle of the lane, dunking on people. It's just crazy, and it's a blessing, you know, because I had a contract signed over in the Ukraine uh, right before uh, I signed with Golden State. So Golden State had to buy me out, you know, all that, all that stuff, you know. I have, however, that works. So I, I could have been over in the Ukraine, or, but I'm here in the United States in the best league in the world, watching these players go at it, and it's, and it's a blessing. I'm going to assume you're very, very happy that you're no longer a rookie, because how are rookies treated in the NBA? Uh, man, the whole popcorn incident was... That's the one. Yeah, it's probably probably going to stick with me forever. Uh, Tell everybody about it. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. So, you know, as a rookie, if you don't play up to 20 minutes, you got to come in early but the next day before practice and, and, and do some light conditioning, you know, get up extra shots, what have you. So I'm getting up shots. You know, I get in about 9.30. You know, I'm getting up shots. You know, I'm in the weight room lifting. I'm on the treadmill. And practice starts at 11. So I get done around 10:45, and uh, I had this little Baysmore contest. Like I had to meet group some fans right at 10:45, right before practice started. It was gonna be quick, you know, get them in, get them out, take a few pictures, sign a few autographs. So 10:50 rolls around, no one's in the gym, and 
All right, they were like, okay, yeah, we're done in here, so let's go outside take a few pictures. I walk out this side door, and my car was parked. I remember my car is parked directly in front of the side door. I walk out. It's not there. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm not going <laughs> to, whatever. I'm about to take these pictures and get ready for practice. So I, I look up, and I see my car with a tarp under it. A tarp under it. I'm like, okay. Still haven't put two two together. As I get closer, all my teammates run out with, like, iPads and cell phones, like, uh, laughing, ha, 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 ha. And I go open my door, and, like, pounds and pounds of butter popcorn just oozing out. I'm like, man, y'all are in trouble. <laughs> the other rookies will get the, theirs, too, at some point, yeah, right? Yeah, Festus actually got his tires taken off. They left his car in cinder blocks. That was funny. <laughs> we only have about 45 seconds. What is it you like most about basketball? Uh, I love the competitiveness, man. I love I love the, the gratification of, like, young kids, you know, actually looking up to, you You know, this, this guy tweeting me, like, don't forget me, you touched my shoulder today. Like, that's 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 by far, like, it's crazy if somebody could actually tell you that. Like, you mean that much to a child, you know, if you follow them back, if you tweet them. Like, the, the most gratifying part for me is having a voice now. That's That's the biggest thing for me. And also, I would assume you keep the game fun, do you not? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I'm jumping up and down, you know, I'm doing high fives. If I could do backflips, I would definitely incorporate <laughs> that. Well, I can't, so we're going to keep that out for now. Well, I want to compliment you because not only for what you've done in basketball, you know, that's still going to grow, but what you did academically by getting those double degrees because then no matter when the game ends, you yeah. walk off that court for the last time, take off that uniform, yeah. you've got a future ahead of you, and that really says a lot <clears> – <throat> Not only about you, but about your mother as well. And you deserve to be complimented for that. Thank you. Thank you for coming in and spending thanks, some time with us. Thanks for having me, man. Good young talent. Look for him around the NBA. Again, uh, a wingman with the Golden State Warriors who went undrafted out of Old Dominion. We continue with more of you and America's sports